you don't have any investment, real estate investment, you will not have the opportunity to learn to make mistakes, learn from it, and then you will not be able to tell which one is a better investment. I think you just have to get it started somewhere and with the help of your investment counselor and then just keep moving forward. Welcome to the Creating Wealth Show with Jason Hartman. You're about to learn a new slant on investing, some exciting techniques, and fresh new approaches to the world's most historically proven asset class that will enable you to create more wealth and freedom than you ever thought possible. Jason is a genuine, self-made multimillionaire who's actually been there and done it. He's a successful investor, lender, developer, and entrepreneur who's owned properties in 11 states, had hundreds of tenants and been involved in thousands of real estate transactions. This program will help you follow in Jason's footsteps on the road to your financial independence day. You really can do it. And now, here's your host, Jason Hartman, with the complete solution for real estate investors. Welcome to episode 13041304. Thank you for joining me today. I'm coming to you from St. John, New Brunswick, Canada. This is uh, where we stopped today on the uh, Mastermind Cruise, where we've got a small group of our real estate investors here on the cruise, and uh, we've been uh, exploring the New England states and now Canada, uh, and then we will be headed home after we visit Halifax, Nova Scotia, our next stop on the voyage. We are on a Princess cruise ship. Boy, Princess does a great job. I really got handed to him. And one of the things I just realized, and we've been in and out of several ports, but I did not notice this before, the horn, you know, the big fog horn. <laughs> well, you may not know this, or you may not even be familiar with the show, but there was a very famous show that I used to watch as a kid called Love Boat. And maybe many of you remember, you remember Captain Steubing and the bartender Isaac and uh, Julie McCoy, the cruise director. Well, that was set on a princess cruise ship and the horn on the ship as we were departing the port here today. And we're just leaving the harbor now. The horn plays the theme from Love Boat. I mean, talk about attention to detail. I stand impressed. <laughs> Hats off to Princess Cruises for that one. Uh, really, really good. Well, hey, today we've got our main segment today where we are talking with a man who went from being homeless to being a billionaire. A truly amazing story. And uh, a large part of that was, guess what? Guess what? Real estate. Income property. Imagine that. Imagine that. So a uh, couple more things. New Brunswick, Canada here, well, St. John, I should say, uh, this is the home of the famous Reversing Falls. Now, I know some of you have been here because some of you have sent me messages saying, make sure to see it. Well, I saw it uh, about I want to say it was here maybe 18 years ago. It's a really odd thing. I'm, I'm not sure it's the only place on earth where this happens, but when the tide changes, oh, maybe you can hear that. The horn is going off now, playing the love boat theme. <laughs> Amazing. Talk about advertising. When the tide changes, the water flow literally reverses direction. It's really amazing and odd to watch that happen. 
I'm not sure that happens anywhere else on planet Earth. Maybe it does. I'm not sure, but it happens here. I can tell you that much. Anyway, we're on our way to Halifax, Nova Scotia tomorrow. We'll be there in the morning uh, as the ship docks there. And uh, yesterday we went to Bar Harbor, Maine. Ah, it's just beautiful up here this time of year. The fall foliage, the fresh, crisp fall air, absolutely wonderful. Uh, We had a great seafood lunch yesterday together as a group. Just a a really, really nice time here on the cruise. I got to tell you, though, I'm eating too much. (laughs) Boy, they feed you well on these cruise ships. You know what? It's just like, I think you just... You just eat, and then you think about, well, when am I going to eat again? (laughs) It's an awful lot of food. It really is. It really is. But good stuff. Okay, I want to share with you, and we'll probably talk about this in more depth tomorrow on tomorrow's episode, but an amazing Wall Street Journal story. Probably, conceptually, it won't surprise you too much, but the details will surprise you for sure. And it talks about how... People making $100,000 a year still can't afford to buy a house in many American cities. Now, I'm not talking about uh, expensive places on the West Coast, in the Northeast, South Florida. I'm just talking about cities across the country where a hundred grand won't even buy you a house. And it reminds me of a story I probably shared many years ago on the show here. There was a housing tract in Irvine. A woman came in there. She was a young lawyer making lots of money. By any objective standard, she would be considered successful in her career. And the new home salesperson, this was a development that I bought a home in. I remember the new home salesperson uh, working for California Pacific Homes in Irvine, California, told me that she came in and the salesperson was talking to her about the prices and what you can buy and And she literally started to tear up saying, I can't believe I can't afford to buy a house. And, you know, she's a successful attorney, can't buy a house. It's truly amazing what has happened in our culture. And, you know, a large part of this, of course, is the price of packaged commodities, the regulation that makes construction so expensive, the regulation that makes it hard to build anything on any piece of land, uh, the environmental regulations, and then, of course, low interest rates, pushing up prices, basically the very definition of inflation, right? A large supply of currency, of dollars, chasing a limited supply of goods and services. And those goods are the properties, the homes. And then you add all of that to when a country doesn't really have much, if any, border control. Now, all the tech companies would say the opposite because, well, they're just greedy, right? All of the CEOs of Google and Facebook and all the tech companies, you know, they just think, well, let everybody in because we want to get as much cheap labor as possible. But, you know, that drives up the cost of housing. I mean, look at what has happened on the west coast of North America, not just the United States, but Canada, right? I mean, Vancouver prices have just been dramatically increasing. Seattle, 
you know, all along the Oregon coast, the California coast, certainly the expensive northeastern markets where you've got money from China, Russia, India, the Middle East. I mean, everywhere on the planet coming in, just driving the cost of housing up because, again, limited supply of stock, of inventory, of widgets. Those houses are the widgets. Widgets are just a name for an economic unit. And those prices are just pushed up. I mean, this has been going on for decades. It's nothing new, folks. You know the story, but it is truly shocking what happened. So we'll share a little bit more about this story, some details on it, probably on tomorrow's episode, as I will be talking to you from Halifax, Nova Scotia, another beautiful area of the world. Really, truly amazing what has happened. So for all of you listening, right, great news for you. Absolutely great news for you because, of course, you own these inexpensive properties that just can't be rebuilt new because you purchased them at or below the cost of construction or even if you paid a little bit above the cost of construction. That cost just keeps rising. Inflation, inflation, inflation. And your loans keep getting paid down. Your mortgages keep getting paid down through inflation-induced debt destruction. So... A lot of great stuff happening for you there. And by the way, refinance applications have gone through the roof. I just saw an article today that literally refinancing activity has tripled, tripled three times, up 300% approximately because of the low interest rates. So if you started following my work 15 years ago, 10 years ago, seven years ago, and you had heard me back in 2004, 2005, 2007, 2009, 2012, whenever you started following my work on the podcast, at our live conferences, whenever, right? And you heard me talking about refi till you die. Well, depending on how long you've been following my work, you may have already gone through a couple of refi till you die cycles. Maybe it's time to consider another one. And if not, just go back and negotiate with your lender for lower rates. Now, you're not going to get cash out, but people are doing, as I talked about, they are doing workouts. Amazingly, you don't even have to show a hardship. I mean, very few people have hardships nowadays, right? The economy has been booming. Things are really looking great. There are certainly some clouds on the horizon, as we all see, as an economic boom can't keep going forever. And this one won't. The recession will inevitably come. But these lenders, especially if those are portfolio loans, meaning the lender has not sold the loan off to another entity. And by the way, just so you know a distinction on that, if you have a mortgage and you received a notice saying, hey, don't pay ABC lender, pay XYZ lender now because the servicing for your loan has changed for your mortgage, that servicing has changed, that doesn't mean that they sold the loan. It might mean that. It might not. So the same lender may still own that loan, and if they do, they don't want you as a customer to leave and refinance and go somewhere else. So they might just lower your interest rate as an accommodation. This is happening, people. It is happening. Now, can you guarantee it'll happen? Absolutely not. But it never hurts to ask, as the scripture says, to he that knocketh, the door shall be opened, right? So 
ask, 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 doesn't hurt to ask to see if you can get a reduction in your interest rate. If you can't, maybe a refinance is what makes sense. Okay, so we've had just a few people lately still getting tickets for our upcoming Profits in Paradise event, which is just nine days away and a property tour included with that as well. So go to jasonhartmanlive.com if you'd like to grab a last-minute ticket for that, and we'll look forward to seeing you in Orlando for the property tour and or the Profits in Paradise event. Okay, let's go to our guest. It's my pleasure to welcome Andrus Pira to the show. He is CEO of Blue Horizon Developments and Managing Director of Phuket Condos and Homes. He's the author of a new book entitled Homeless to Billionaire, 18 Wealth Attraction Principles for Creating Unlimited Opportunity. Andrus, welcome. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you for having me here today. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. Are you coming to us from Phuket now? I just came from Dubai yesterday. I've been there uh, receiving a couple of awards. Uh-huh. But um, and before that, we came from Thailand, but we've been traveling around a lot the last uh, the last three months. Fantastic. Tell us how you got your start. I mean, as the title would suggest, really, that's an amazing story. You were homeless and now you're a billionaire? Yeah, it's an autobiography of uh, my trial and error and successes over the last 16 years in Asia and Thailand. Fantastic. So give us kind of the genesis of your career. I know you were in the the brokerage business, and then you did some investing in properties, and then development is is basically the progression, right? Absolutely. I mean, I started in real estate. I uh, with my first job that I ever landed in in Thailand, and I got uh, employed as a a marketing executive for a real estate agency and that was more or less giving our brochure outside their office and trying to get people inside the door and working myself up i wanted to become a sales agent i got the chance one day to show a client around and he actually bought on the first uh, presentation so i got promoted to sales agent and i did very well the first year there and they awarded me as the best sales agent for the year which uh, led me to become a sales manager for that organization and then sales director for the company and after that, I wanted to do something alone, and I started my first real estate agency, and that led to um, acquiring a lot of investors and buyers who were happy with my advice and, and giving them great returns on their properties. And uh, with that, um, I gained a lot of trust with them, so they asked me if I would, interested, would be interested to start developing different projects, and of course I was, so I became a, the, the real estate developer after that. Okay, so so give us some ideas to like what year and what geography, uh, where was that located when you did all that? Everything that started in Thailand, in Phuket. Phuket Island is uh, Thailand's richest province, and it's in south of Thailand, so that's where I'm based with, and that's where I do most of my resorts and, and uh, hotels and commercial buildings. Okay, great. And uh, what time frame are you talking about, just so we have kind of some context around it? Well, my first job was 16 years ago in real estate, and I would say... It took me four years from that, so that would be 12 years ago that I started my first real estate agency, and I was buying and flipping mm-hmm. different uh, units, and I started my first uh, developments uh, 10 years ago. Wow, that that is an incredible story. That is, uh, congratulations, that's phenomenal. So Thank what you. would you say are some of your, your secrets to success, if you will? Well, in real estate is patience, persistence, perseverance, and never giving up and always um, study your competitors very, very closely because they're always doing something great and take a little bit of that and do it better. So 
it's a lot of competitive markets. So you need to be able to really intensively uh, research all, all the competitors you have around and, and buy in the right moment and sell at the right moment. Also, it's, it's, a, it's a balance with all these things. Mm-hmm. When you say in real estate, just want you to kind of uh, define that for us. Do you mean brokerage? Do you mean investing? Do you mean development or all of them? Well, there is different parts of it, I guess. Um, many of the properties that I buy, I do it to, to let them out, to lease them. Others, I buy empty land plus to do developments on. And I involve my architects and engineers to do great projects to sell unit by unit or a whole project itself. And sometimes we have commercial buildings that I buy or renovate or restore. So it's many different aspects in, in real estate that, that we can go into that, that we're currently doing. Yeah. So in your book, you highlight several important principles, you know, lead a laser focused life, take risks, responsibility and action. Do you care to pick a couple of your favorites and go over them with us? Absolutely. And I would say lead a laser focused life. It's um, you can use it in all walks of life or whatever company or whatever you want to achieve or desire or be or do or have. And what I notice is most people never really achieve anything because they're not really specific on what they want to achieve or what they want to do or what they want to see in life. So lead a laser focused life is means that be very specific on where you're going and what makes you happy and what the things that you want to acquire or what kind of success you want or achievement and how that's going to look like. And where am I in five years? Where am I in 10 years? What are the kind of experience I want to have? So for me, it's uh, and I see that with many successful people, we all have very specific goals and targets to reach. And that's one of the first fundamental keys to moving forward with, in life. Okay, so focus. I mean, everybody listening would agree that that's important. Not everybody does it, of course, but uh, very important uh, to understand that. Pick a couple of others. Uh, I mean, you've, you've got uh, quite a few things here. What do you have? 18 of them, right? Yeah, there's 18 principles. Some are easier to adapt and some take, take longer time. And it's 18 principles that I've been... Uh, learning through trial and error for the last 16 years. Some of them are taken from great uh, role models, leaders, and uh, success, uh, successful people. And some of them um, I learned by myself, leading all my organizations that I have and the employees I have. So, And also taking risks. I mean, every great success or milestone or achievement is when you take risks in life. We have to do that, but we have to take them in a calculated way and, and also put everything in line. What's the worst thing that can happen? What's the best thing that can happen? And if the worst thing happens, can I handle it? And how do I bounce back from it? And and also make sure that you have to take big risks in life. That, that's how it is. But calculate the, what, what, what can happen if it doesn't go your way. And I mean, the greatest successes we have with projects is we have when we have taken risks that we have built and they turn out to be great so yeah no no question you know what i find particularly interesting is this um idea of that you talk about in principle number five the celebration creates an addiction to progress tell us about that well i would say our team and 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 our departments every time we have a great every time we have a success or a milestone or a record that we have broken, we celebrate extensively. And sometimes, I, I mean, I, I've taken my, my departments and companies to, we just came, came back from Kilimanjaro. Uh, we summit that mountain in Tanzania. We've mm-hmm. been in Japan doing skiing together. We've been in Indonesia, climbed an active volcano. This is the kind of targets and goals I put on my teams is that when, when we reach this thing, let's celebrate together. Let's do something together. Let's be different from other companies. But also that goes in hand with your competitors. 
And I also tell the employees and people around you that when a competitor reached something great and they have they done something successful, we should be happy about it instead of complaining. Because uh, most companies they get jealous, have hatred, envy, and that that's just gonna affect yourself. It's a, be happy for other people's success and celebrate it extensively with the people around you. Because the more you celebrate, it becomes more an addiction, and the more you wanna experience it, right? Yeah, absolutely. So you know, I was kind of when I asked you that question, I was kind of relating to the idea of yeah. I mean, there's sort of two major philosophies in life, you know, save all your money, go out and earn as much as you can and save as much as you can, right? But then there's the other philosophy of work hard, play hard, if you will, right? Earn some money, but, uh, you know, spend it because tomorrow's not guaranteed, right? You might as well live it up. And I think the optimum answer is a balance to some extent. Do you think it's important for people to sort of reward themselves for their progress along the way? I mean, or is it good to be just really frugal? (laughs) Well, honestly, I really believe that you should reward yourself as much as possible every time because you're the product of success. So and you need to be recognized when you do something great. It's you need to tell yourself that you've done something great and you achieved this milestone or or you you have a broken this record and you see yourself moving forward you see yourself developing yourself and when you reward yourself you feel great about it and some people that they do it opposite they reward themselves but they instantly feel bad about it because they think that they have don't don't have the right to do it or they they should do it for a later stage but that just creates the stress in that in that individual so i guess it's very important especially to reward yourself and others i mean you're the most important person in your life so of course you should reward yourself and pat yourself on the shoulder when you do something great and that makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. What is a vibrational giving? Vibrational giving is something, um, it all started in Thailand because uh, if I take you back uh, many years back and in Thailand, they have another belief. In it's, um, for instance, when we have our birthdays in, in our modern or Western world, we expect to receive gifts from everyone when we have a birthday, right? And in Thailand, it's different. Uh, it's opposite. When you have your birthdays, then you should give gifts to others, and especially to other people that are that are less privileged than you. And I just love this idea. And I noticed that every time I started to practice it, things around me started to go better. I st- my company started to increase. I got any uh, unexpected incomes. These phone calls or emails from clients that I forgot about, they wanted to buy something more and invest more. So vibrational giving is, is to give out whatever you want to give first. And if you give success or happiness or money to other people and you feel good about it then that will be returned tenfold to you every single time because it's an energy it's an emotion we give out to the universe as i call it and that uh, the universe will see it and give you more of that i've been trying to disprove this matter year after year but i'm always getting the same results so i'm gone from wishing to hoping to just knowing that it works so it's very important to give whatever you want first in life. So and I practiced it every single day. Okay, good. Well, you know, what else do you want people to know? Maybe something I haven't asked you. Yeah, I do a lot of different things. I, I wrote the book now and I'm a real estate investor, real estate developer. Uh, I have others, several businesses. I have health centers and gyms and, and coffee shops and restaurants around. So it's, it's a lot of different things. And I'm doing this to help others to actually propel in their business and and uh, making them more successful. So that, that's the whole idea behind the book. So people are free to ask me anything within that, and hopefully I can help.
Uh huh. Talk to us a little bit about the more maybe technical side of real estate investing, if you will. You know, some of the reasons you were attracted to it, uh, some of the, uh, you know, tricks of the trade or the things that make it so great. I mean, I love income property. I think it's the most historically proven asset class in the entire world. And it's accessible to so many people at different levels. Uh, you know, you can be very wealthy and do it, or you can just have a very modest, uh, uh, means, you know, buy one house and rent it out and then, you know, get another a few years later. That's what I saw my mother doing growing up and it ended up very well for her. And it's been very good to me too. What thoughts do you have on that? The real estate is just a broad aspect, but I believe that um, with real estate in general, that it's, uh, I mean, passive incomes, multiple streams of income and, and buying at the right moment from the right people and be able to negotiate great deals that's uh, something that I'm very passionate about and I love looking for next deal or next opportunity or next project or next uh, unit to flip or buy or renovate. So there's many different aspects to it as well. And uh, what I notice, especially in Asia now, it's booming with the Russians and the, and the Chinese market because they buy it. What we're doing now for the moment is we're only selling investment properties and more, almost 90% of everything that we're building, people are not buying it to live or to have holidays in because we guarantee certain returns every year. And we have great management companies and big hotel groups that are managing our property. So uh, we can offer this uh, high return from 7% up to 10% return uh, per year for our clients. And that's a guarantee. So, I mean, we, people are buying uh, properties from us online at the moment because of uh, payment options and also the returns that we offer. So it might be a bit different from America market, but I'm, I can just uh, tell you about how, how it's working in Asia and Thailand at the moment. Mm -hmm. Were you from Thailand originally or where are you from? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm half uh, Colombian and half uh, Swedish, but I lived. I, I was born in South America, Colombia, but I, I left when I was three years old. Uh, my parents took me there, and I was raised in Sweden until I was 20 years old, and then I uh, moved to Thailand, and now I've been living in Thailand uh, 16 years. Now, did you move to Thailand uh, because you just liked it there, or did you see that as a particularly good uh, real estate opportunity? When I moved to Thailand, I didn't know what I was going to do or what job I'm going to have. And I, I, I came to Thailand with $100 in my pocket, to be honest, uh, very young at that age. But I, I was always, I didn't like Sweden in general. It's a cold country and the weather is bad. It's dark and it's snowing and it's cold. So I wanted to live in a tropical paradise. So it was more of a coincidence that I ended up in Thailand since mm -hmm. I asked the travel agent, where can I get with this money? And there was, a, I had $2,000 to my name and she recommended me to fly to Thailand because that that looked good on the on in the catalogs with white sandy beaches and blue oceans and um, palm trees. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up there more of a coincidence from the start, to be honest. Yeah, came there as a beach bum and ended up as a big real estate uh, mogul. <laughs> so that's fantastic. Great story. Yeah, that's correct. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, good stuff. So anything back on that technical side of real estate, like the way you structure a deal, the way just anything else you want to share with our listeners about that, the economics of a deal or, you know, how you find deals and, and source things or whatever. There's so many aspects to it, obviously. When you're working with buyers and sellers, and I heard this story a lot that you just have to focus on winning the deal, but 
I noticed that in my perspective, it's not like that. If you're buying from someone or you have a client that you want to make money for it, it's a win-win every time. And that's how you create a word of mouth advertising for yourself. And you get recommendations from other developers, sellers and clients. And it's to always be, be straight with your word and always follow up on, on things that you promise to do. And also make sure that if you have clients that you're working for, make sure that they make great returns and they invest in the right things because that, that creates just a pipeline of, of more buyers. So that's what we've been doing over the years. And it's very important to deliver that because it's you can lose your reputation in, in one day, but it's, it's, we're still working on it after 16 years. So it's important with that thing and how to structure a deal. I mean, it all depends on the, the opportunity you have. So uh, while we notice where great money is to, to lease the units out and also to flip and renovate units. And, and I think it's the same kind of concept here in America as well. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, been great talking with you. Is there just anything else you want to share with uh, with the listeners before you wrap it up? And then, of course, give us a, a website or something. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I go we go much more in detail uh, on, on our website and also in my book that I've been writing for over the last 12 months. And it's andrespira.com, A-N-D-R-E-S-P-I-R-A.com. And they can um, download a short version of the 18 principles and or a free chapter of the book. And if they like it, please go ahead on Amazon and purchase the, the actual copy and it will be sent to you. And it goes out in all the bookstores in America. I talk a lot about real estate and investments and uh, cash flows and also how to keep a positive mindset. So hopefully that can help other people to succeed. You know, now that you mentioned positive mindset, I've got one more question for you we didn't touch on, and that is the power of visualization. Just wanted to ask you to speak to that for a moment, uh, because I, I think it is a very powerful thing. Any success, any any awards, any um, right uh, direction uh, of success or whatever, it all starts in the mind. And we always have to visualize the outcomes of what we want to be, do or have. Visualizations have taken me to the person I have today. Look at an Olympic gold medalist. He can see the whole race in his head before he does it. He can see himself winning. He can see himself having that gold medal. It's the same with any anything in life or any success. We need to picture it very clear and take time for ourselves and spend time for ourselves, see it in our mind, visualize it and be clear that this is the outcome. This is what I'm going after because our mind is a very, very powerful tool. And whatever happens in the mind, you can then after hold it in your reality or your outside world, as people call it. Yeah, very good. Um, any particular tools you use to visualize? Do you watch some videos? Do you just do it in your mind? Do you, um, you know, meditate? Do you use a vision board? I mean, you've heard of all these techniques. Maybe you use some. I just thought I'd ask for some more detail on it. Funny you mention it, and I use all of them. And, I mean, I have a goal list that I look at all the time that I write every year. And before I visualize, I, I do meditation and visualizations in my gardens, in my home. And But before I do that, I check my goal list and see what items or what things do I want to visualize today. And that's how I use my goal list, which I've written down. And then I go out in my garden and I call my mind and uh, visualize the things that I want to achieve, be, do or have. And then I go out and take action and, and start to find people that, that have those things or a certain thing that I need to read or some information that's out there. So action is very important in any achievement. And you can't just sit and visualize things in a on a location and expect it to come to you. Action after that is very crucial to any manifestation. Very good. Well, good stuff, Andres. Thank you for joining us and uh, congratulations on your success. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, no, thank you so much, Jason. And it was great having you. And uh, thank you for uh, having me as well. And have a great, uh, great day. 
Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. Be sure to check out the show's specific website and our general website, heartmanmedia.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Remember that guest opinions are their own, and if you require specific legal or tax advice or advice in any other specialized area, please consult an appropriate professional. And we also very much appreciate you reviewing the show. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio or whatever platform you're using and write a review for the show. We would very much appreciate that. And be sure to make it official and subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you.